Blog Talk Radio. Freedom of thought, and listen, 
Don't worry about any of the politically correct stuff and do not be afraid. And uh, very quickly, the disclaimer is old people, when you get older, after 55, 60, you say, what in the heck? Why am I battling this stuff anymore? Let's just let it go. Go play golf. Take it easy. I can't do anything anyway. In the United States, we do not cherish and hold up uh, wisdom as a great, great thing. In the United States of America, we try to ship our learned people out, our experienced people out. But boy, oh boy, are we making a mistake when we don't listen to the Wayne Bryans and to the Robert Lansdorps and to the Jack Sharps and all of the people who are out there that have been there, done it, don't need anything. They just want to help. And uh, golly, we, uh, we need the number one people out there in charge and taking charge. And uh, as I already said, number one's higher number one's. Number two's higher threes and fours. We've got a lot of threes and fours running bureaucracies. And let's stand up, speak out. Is part two of my program from last week, and I want to set the table by uh, just quick review of last week. Last week, I talked to you about Thomas Paine, and I said it was amazing how in the Revolutionary War, our 13 colonies could get together, and they had different cultures, they had different backgrounds, they had different beliefs, they had so many differences all the way from Maine all the way down to South Carolina and Georgia, but what did they do? They became united. They, they were united because they all had this deep, deep need and deep, deep belief in freedom and the importance of freedom. And how did they get united? I've often thought about this, and I'm sure you have too, that first or set the second Continental Congress when they got together. I think it's the first Continental Congress, and they just said, hey, listen, sums up. we got to get going on here. We're being mistreated. Do we need to do something? And all of the legislators and all of the, those people, the James Madisons and the John Adams and the Benjamin Franklins, and these people were sent, and they came together. But really – what really did it and what united the people who were against tyranny and who, would, who wanted to stand up and speak out against tyranny was Thomas Paine. Thomas Paine, and he wrote Common Sense. And the Common Sense very, very much was how it got in all the papers around the country. Uh, they said thousands and thousands of up and down the 13 colonies, but everybody read it, and it was a – bestseller and it got everybody to the place where they said enough is enough and you're, you've got a side on one side or the other you're either going to be a patriot with, with the United States of America or you're going to be a Tory and side with England and very much uh, I made a comment to the, my friend the other day I said I do not believe that the USTA is an America first organization I'm, I'm telling you that I, I really do not the globalist interests that they have in fitting into the world and all of the foreign entities that they not just associate, they have to associate with a lot of them, but the empowerment of foreign entities and all of the and, – and, and folks, you might be out there saying, well, it's a globalist deal now. Well, yeah, but the United – you either believe – here, look, you're either an – a nationalist, or you are a globalist. You either believe in the United, sovereignty of the United States American tenants, 
or you want to be a globalist and you want to fit in and use other other people other people from other countries and you want to use all of the resources from other p- countries and uh that's as simple as it is but at that time Thomas Paine had to really he he put it down on paper and people had to decide okay am i a Tory, or you know, do I believe in the sovereignty of the United States? Do I want freedom, and do I want our country to be the way it is? Uh, do I want our country to be free of England or not? So it was Thomas Paine in in his Common Sense that he wrote, and we need Thomas Paine's article to be writ, written again. And I might be the guy to write it. I might, I don't know. I'm in calling upon some of the other tennis patriots as well, so stay tuned for that. But as we all know, George Washington left his home, his comfort, and he gave up everything. Those guys, what unbelievable that they were signing their death warrant if they lost the Revolutionary War. They were going to be treasonous to England. They were going to be hung. They were going to lose all their land. They were going to lose everything. The John Hancocks and everybody that signed the Declaration of Independence. And what, what it came to, though, was when George Washington took his army, his Continental Army, and they were on their dire straits. And folks, they were only three nine and one, and they they won the war, but they were only three nine and one in battles. But their first win at Trenton only came after they had mass desertions. They had people wanting to leave their army, breaking up. And Thomas Paine wrote again another quote. And I read it last week, and I'm reading it again. It says, these are the times that try men's souls. Some are soldier, and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and the thanks of both man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered. Yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is, the dear, it is dearness only that gives everything its value. And heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed if so celestial an article as freedom should not be highly rated. Folks, I'm talking about tennis tyranny. I'm accusing some of our leaders of tennis tyranny. And I believe that this is a plan from the top, and I'm going to unveil it today. And you will be appalled, as I would was, when you find out what is really behind us. Is all these abbreviations just to save time? Folks, you're going to be appalled when you find out that it is not. There's always been a master plan. You're going to be appalled like I was as I've written articles about it's always been about education versus entertainment. The education, the battle between education and the entertainment priority. Differences of perspective run very deep when it comes to this. Are you an educator or an entertainer? And I've always argued that We've turned the sport of tennis over to the marketeers. And USTA, I am challenging you. Your job is to protect the history 
and the heritage of our game and not to market it. It's so cheap that you have marketed it. It is so cheap what you are doing in the pursuit of what money, in the pursuit of popularity. Your first job is to protect the history and the heritage of our game. And do you know why it's falling by the wayside? Do you know why it's in trouble? And USTA, you guys are worried about something like pickleball. Are you kidding me? Pickleball? Give me a break. Our sport has been around for 134 years, and you're worried about pickleball? Well, you should be worried if you're a marketeer and you only count numbers. But if you were protecting the history and the heritage of our game, you wouldn't be worried at all because you would see the depth and the substance of what we have and that it will last and it'll be around a lot longer than you and me combined. It's going to be around, tennis will. And, folks, our job is to protect the history and the heritage of our game. I'm going to be right back and explain to you what in the heck has been going on and what is going on, and you're going to be appalled as I lay this all out to you. We'll be right back. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and this is American Tennis. Coach J.P. Weber of the We Coach Tennis Radio Show. In my 30 years experience in coaching tennis, I've never seen a better tennis training situation for children than Coach Creasy's total tennis training camps. Chuck Creasy has coached them and trained them in every arena from juniors to collegiate to professional tennis, and over 15,000 children have improved their games at his summer tennis camps. Find out more at ChuckCreasy.net. That's ChuckCreasy.net. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy. Folks, and go to ChuckCreasy.net. Do you know that I am the number one expert, and I am, at momentum control in the whole wide world? It is my baby. I started in 1979, folks. And if you want me to teach you, your coaches, or your players, to learn the magical momentum control not just theories, not just philosophy, but the methods, the eight methods of momentum control. I can do that. Just go to ChuckCreasy.net and give me a call, and I'll come teach you. And yeah, folks, I want to make them in America, and I want America to be completely, completely the strongest and the best tennis country in the world. 
But I believe in the sovereignty of the United States, and I believe and I'm a nationalist, and our country comes first above all other countries. And I hope you believe the same. And, folks, I'm asking you to stand up and speak out as I make my presentation today and tell you the great, great secret about what has been driving this whole machine towards abbreviations and towards the, to the diluting, polluting, and the prostituting of our great sports. Folks, you know, uh, with the USTA, what drives me crazy is every time I've had uh, association with them in any context, um, the way they have canned me is they say, oh, uh, what we tell Creasy is, oh, he's, you're, you're so passionate, Chuck. Okay, now, you know, oh, you're so passionate. Well, you know, that's the very least what you should be. You guys aren't. You guys aren't. You guys don't care. You guys, you guys are not passionate. You know, and, and I know that they use that so many times that I know that they blow off what I say. And I couldn't care less. I worked for those guys before, and I couldn't care less if I ever have their favor or not. Because they don't own tennis, and they don't <clears> – <throat> tennis is tennis. And you know what? They are a – they call themselves the governing bodies. I think they're governing bums, you know, the lot of them. And, and the, you know, the point the point about it is – and it's because they don't care about the educational value first of our sports and the things that they are doing. So here I go into the history of what I know and what has always puzzled me and what I have learned over the past six or seven years. And, folks, this goes back to actually 1977, with the start of abbreviations, and let, I'll, I'll give you the sort of the one-two on the thing. But uh, first of all, I promise you, it's not that I'm upset. Hey, this isn't in my wheelhouse. You know what? They abbreviate it. They take away hard work. Hey, you know what? They abbreviate it. It's a change. I'm not one just a grumpy old man that, hey, wait a minute, back in the day, that's not it. Yeah, change is good as long as change is done for the right reasons and change is done in the right way now look who's the smartest guy in the room there's a lot of them out there the usta are not using the wayne bryans the pat harrisons the robert landsdorf the jack sharps if i'm just a few i mentioned <clears throat> the vesa pontkas uh, there are so many brilliant learned men out there and learned women the kathleen horvaths and, and on and on but these guys are not the most learned guys, and I'm saying that from the standpoint that we all assume that they are. We, we assume that we've got the very best in that organization. And at bottom line, when you go work for the USTA, which I did at one time, you have to become a company man, and you have to become a person who totes the USTA line. And at very best, you're going to be an 80 percenter at getting things but we have always assumed that USTA has the, our best interests at heart, and they do not, and they don't have the best guy. And I don't believe that they are an American first organization, and I don't believe the ITA is an American first organization. I think they're run by an agenda of more, uh, golly, socialist mentality and, and a belief in, in uh, that the good of the all is better than us achieving. 
And uh, their whole philosophy has been that, or they would not have dumbed it down so badly. So here I go. I'm going to go back and, and talk to you here and give you the history. So back in 1977, I was sitting in a room in Corpus Christi, Texas, and I was a new coach, and the, and the ITA had a meeting. Uh, sorry, it was ITCA, Intercollegiate Tennis Coaches Association, and they were coaches. Or we were a coaches organization, and the dues was $10. And one of the coaches, an SEC coach, got up, and he said, all right, I'd like to try, see if you guys want to try this thing called NOAN, Jimmy Van Allen Bat System. And I don't know if Jimmy Van Allen was the tennis genius or what, but he he said he didn't understand why we were doing deuces and ads. But, folks, uh, I don't have time to go into the 22 reasons why the traditional scoring is the better scoring system than anything else. That's another program. I've brought it up many, many times. Let's just say 143 years of history has been pretty good, and it's not like right now, oh, we've just gotten smart right now and we figured this out to be a better way to do it. No, that's absolutely not the case. There's just too many hidden things like you must learn to be proficient at winning three points in a row. And because game point is really worth eight points in an eight-point swing, that might have a little bit to do you get it all or nothing with the game. You get all or nothing with the set. It might have a little bit to do at having to win by two, you know, and, and we figured that out with that old nine-point tiebreaker we had. So in 1977, this coach got up there, and he said, let's try this for a year. And listen, the dues of the ITA was $10 a year. We had 36 people in the room, and I believe that it was 20 to 16 to try it for a year, but we did it for like 14 years. And during that time, uh, there was a lot of immediate parity caused by the scoring system much more than skill set. And I'll be the first to tell you that I was trying to bring my team up at Clemson, and uh, I'll be the first to tell you that it probably allowed us to have wins over teams like UCLA or a win over a Southern Cal one time or a win over different teams. It might have helped us to get wins we only could have, should have, would have gotten but didn't before because tennis is the most fair system ever. The better players advance. Now, it's the most consistent scoring system. The best players usually win if they're the better players. That's why a tennis sangren at the Australian breaking through is credible and he will probably stay there because you don't break through in tennis until you're good enough to break through. So what I'm telling you is immediately uh, the parity was between 25 schools in the 80s instead of probably five or six schools. And, uh, yeah, well, if you're on the, on the receiving end of that and the, you have an advantage because of that, you might like it. But the bottom line is, until you're good enough, you shouldn't be good enough. And scoring systems should reflect who is the better player, not who manipulates the scoring the best. So we kept this until about 1992-93, and they, they regulated, over-regulated college tennis at that time. And then for the next <clears throat> 20 years, we did traditional scoring. And it was pretty darn good. Now, here's the deal. I have always wondered why 
During that time, certain coaches persisted so strongly in trying to get back to NOAD scoring. And I was not in college coaching at the time, and it was 2011, and I went to dinner at Kalamazoo with a couple Ivy League coaches and then another coach from the West Coast. And another. And these coaches, the whole conversation in 2011 was, how can we get NOAD scoring back into the fray? And I said, guys, guys, we will never have our best player surface if this happens because – the good players have to take too many hits. Cream does not rise. We start. We keep pulling the good players back into mediocrity. We don't let them separate. And uh, in other words, the tennis Sangren results. If he did it with no ad scoring, he basically would not. I promise you, he's going to go forward now because he's finally had a rite of passage, and that's what happens in tennis. So that was 2011. So I'm going to read the history here that I've kept, and I. I wondered why they keep persisting. So in 2012, the NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament, they had scheduling problems as it rained and it rained and it rained, and then all of a sudden you had 16 men and 16 women's team there not getting on till late at night, and supposedly I was not there. I wasn't in college coaching. And NCAA rep was saying, oh, this is awful, this is awful, Oh, my golly, what are we going to do? We're not going to get the tournament in. Well, the real problem was you had the women and the men at the same site. At By the Way ITA, and all you college coaches listening, the vote was 51 to 2 against combining the men and the women by all the men's coaches at an ITA meeting at Georgia about four years earlier. And guess what? They did it anyway. The ITA did it anyway. They didn't care that it was a 51-2 to two vote. They had an agenda. The guys at the dinner that night in 2011 had an agenda. When this 2012 thing came up, it was announced by the ITA that next year we were going to try to do an abbreviated scoring, and 10,000 signatures came out in opposition on the Internet it was initiated by a couple fellows up in at the University of Michigan. It spread like wildfire and file, and it, I forget what the name of the website was, Just Vote, or um, anyhow, it was an outrage, so they tabled it. So in 2013, it came, reared its head again. I was down in Sarasota, Florida, and I documented everything. We argued for four hours uh, four hours of arguing, discussing about no ad versus traditional scoring. There was the famous vote of 21 to 19 of those 40 people that voted after five hours. And to keep, not uh, first of all, folks, whenever you have to change something that has been in effect for 143 years, don't you think it should be at least a two-thirds majority? Don't you think it should be 66 to 33? Don't you think so? Well, it was 21 to 19 for, for keeping it. I drove home, was very happy as I got to Jacksonville, Florida. After six hours, the great coach, Brian Bowen, called me and he said, Coach Creasy, you would not believe what they did. They went in the back room and the leader of the ITA said, 
Well, it's not really a mandate that everybody wants to keep traditional scoring. We can do what we want to do. And are you kidding me? I heard one coach came across the table almost at at one of the Ivy League coaches that was trying to propose this, we, we used to call it the Bullwinkle system. But the long story short is that they did what they wanted to do. So the next spring, here's what goes on in the next fall, the ITA the ITA then started running their tournaments with no ad and said, if you want to be in the ITA tournaments, our, we own college tennis. So if you want to be in our tournament, you have to play no ad. What? Well, in my personal, my conference, we voted 8-0 to zero or actually 15 out of 16 to use traditional scoring, but the ITA threw their weight around. In the 2014, 81% of college coaches voted to not change in in eighty five in singles eighty five percent do not change the doubles. Their votes were ignored. The significance of this poll was never acknowledged. The ITA put it together. One of our top players at that time was pretty much upset about it because he was a delayed pressure player or he constructed points very well and he recognized as he went indoors and had to play no ad he had to take a lot of losses. Matter of fact, he went undefeated outside. When he went indoors and had play no ad, he'd take losses. He got a signature of 1,347 that opposed scoring changes and did not, they did not want to play no ad. This was ignored. A petition was set out by the great Lynn Loring in 2014 to all the women's coaches. 194 women's coaches voted to keep keep traditional scoring and they voted also that ITA to do something like you did you dirty rats what can I call you that's the worst I can call you I guess over the air you dirty rats you ITA guys they voted for a two third majority if you're going to do stuff like this you know what you didn't even ever have a majority and you did what you wanted to do you dirty rats so the MDTA was formed men's division one ten association Several coaches joined it. There was a poll conducted. The vote was 67 to 11 in favor at Kalamazoo in that summer to keep traditional scoring. This was ignored. Tremendous pushback by coaches and players in 2014. The NCAA cabinet. Now, this is, you've got to understand, the ITA goes to the NCAA cabinet, and then they make recommendations. So the ITA went and made the recommendation against what the coaches wanted, and the Dirty Rats said, we want no ad played anyway. But there was so much pushback by the vote of the women and then the vote, the, the, everything that had happened that I'm talking to you about, that the NCA tabled the ITA-USTA move. And I say USTA move too, folks, because guess who's in on this? The USTA. Does the USTA have any right or any business sticking their nose into college tennis? You, heck, no. Can you imagine if the if it, could you imagine if we had a lobbyist group in football or basketball or baseball in college come in from the outside and stick their nose into the workings of the college football, basketball, or baseball? It's outrageous. But the USTA came in as a lobbyist group, and there was money exchanged. They said, 
I do not know that for a fact. The the theory, the belief is there's seven hundred thousand bucks went to the ITA. Now whether or not that was true, I do not know, and I do not want to be on the record as saying that happened. But the IT direct ITA director, after the USDA tabled this, the ITA director sent out three emails in an eight-day period with directives to the coaches that they better play no ad or else. Wow. The ITA then recently put out their own poll, and this and, and they made a uh, they had their sort of a loaded poll that really, really was loaded in their way, but they still didn't win it. Now, later, and this is the thing, go to Zoo Tennis. Zoo Tennis had a, the, the USTA, or excuse me, the NCAA cabinet came out, and they had their own poll. The NCAA had their own poll in 2015. Look at Zoo Tennis, February 10th, 2015, you'll get the results. And the men and the women both did not want no ad, but they did it anyway. Now, here's the point I'm making, and I'm going to get to it. And, and folks, you are, you, you are going to be aghast. So this doesn't make sense, does it, with all the pushback? And, and during this whole time, I said, you know, these Ivy Leaguers, they've never won anything much. You know, one time they've made the quarterfinals in all of history at the NCAA, actually two, because Columbia, the great best, great coach out there, Bid Goswami at Columbia, has hardly anything to work with, and he's done great, made the quarterfinals. They, they, they just are first class, and I'm not – there's some wonderful, wonderful coaches there. But the bottom line, I always said, yeah, they want parity because they don't get to train. They want parity without skill set. So the bottom line with them has been, with me, has always been education versus entertainment. And, hey, yeah, they want parity. So I thought it was always driven by that. Until, until one year ago, January, folks, one year ago, January, I went to a meeting of coaches, and we had a a person who was marketing tennis and trying, he had all the numbers, and he had PowerPoints to make his presentation exactly what's going on with tennis and where the tennis money is coming from and everything. And I wanted to vomit. I absolutely wanted to vomit. And some of the other coaches, we just sat there scratching our head and holding our stomach because it'll make you sick too. It'll make you sick to your stomach. He said, everything is being abbreviated now because of the gambling industry. Yeah, folks, that's what I said, the gambling industry. Now, we can go back and connect the dots, and we need to go on the Internet and find out all this if it's the truth. And I've heard rumors about gambling and tennis. But I was probably the one that said, well, what does this have to do with changing scoring and everything? And the guy said, gambling industries." Do not like consistency. They like randomness, randomness, randomness. And they don't want Feder and Nadal and these guys to win. They don't want consistency of results. They don't care who comes through. And I said, well, how in the world is gambling the number one number one sport in 
all of gambling in the world, or number one or two is tennis. Well, he said in a 128 draw like at the Australian Open that we just had, folks, you have 127 matches. That's 127 gambling opportunities. And they do online gambling. And guess what? They get immediate results. They get immediate results from live streaming. Huh. So if gambling wants the results immediately from live streaming, oh, well, that makes sense that it's very valuable to get those immediate results. So how do they do it? They pay. They pay the number one organization in the world, and I'm not going to call it out by name because I want people coming out after me, but last year they paid them $14 million. $14 million to get the live streaming results. Are you, are you throwing up yet? Are you vomiting yet? As an educator and as a person who's been in tennis teaching for 47 years, I'm sick about this. So I said, well, how does this, what does this have to do with college going no ad scoring? Come on, let's jump around. They surely have been persistent. They surely have persisted. He says, well, it makes sense. You get college first, and then now, folks, you, in the last two years since they got college and since they jammed it down our throat, whether whatever we wanted, they forced us to take this. Don't you see that now they're going with our juniors telling parents and telling juniors, oh, you've got to play the college system. One set of no-ad doubles. What? Are you kidding me? How could? How in the world – could that ever make any sense? One set of no-ad doubles. Oh, we play tiebreakers for the third set. Get used to it because this is what's coming in college. And, oh, by the way, no-ad. Now, folks, you got college. They're forcing it into juniors. And four or five years from now, four or five years from now, do you really think that our kids who are playing tennis when they grow up are going to argue? Nadal, Federer, all of our great champions absolutely hate no-ad scoring, and you know they do. You know why? Because they recognize it being a crapshoot. They recognize the ten things that I've brought up so many times that make it a dilution, a pollution, and a prostitution of our great game of tennis. Are you connecting the dots yet? Where is this coming from? Why would they persist do you really think it was for saving time or getting college on TV? Give me a break. Liars, liars, pants on fire. ITA, liar, liar, pants on fire. Those longer than a telephone wire. You guys just lied. USTA, ITA, you bunch of bums. You're tennis bums who's, is who you are. You're not educators. You don't own tennis, first of all. You're not educators. Folks. So here's where we're at with this. I've been battling for last seven, since 2000, somewhat since the beginning because I always recognized that the abbreviations as a young coach, I, I realized that young players who were really getting a hold of their game got their confidence destroyed when they lost 0-0 or 0-1 because of no ad scoring, and then they might beat the same player 2-2 two and two, two weeks later. The randomness destroys true confidence building. I've always recognized that it kept players from really, really working hard at their game because if you can manipulate the scoring system, you don't have to be as good as you need to be. 
If you don't do your running, if you don't do your training, no ad scoring is a big, big help. And you know what? In high school, we've reduced tennis to an after-school activity anyway, so maybe let's just get it over with and go home. We, we don't have to be long, and you know, to, we don't have to make this a long sport. So I've thought for, so golly, since the beginning and then through the 80s and the 90s, and tennis in college got pretty good from 92. The, you know, the abbreviations were, the, the shortened seasons were terrible, and the reduction of hours, we could only practice 20 hours a week. We saw the fallout there with players not being able to improve and make it into the pros. We used to have uh, 41 pros in the, that went to college. Uh, American kids played college and were top 100 into the pros. Today we have, now with Tennis Sangren, we have four. Three guys in, plus Nicole Gibbs. That's about it. So college has really suffered, but we were doing the best we can. Now it's it's about gone. So I fought this very, very hard, but two weeks ago, and the reason that I've taken on this show and I'm about ready to uh, wrap this up, and I want to wrap it up and, and call on all you tennis patriots. But I was at a college match, and I was passing out one of my handouts about let's try to pres- preserve the, the history and the heritage of our game with the scoring system. And his coach said, Chuck, why don't you just give it up? What are you doing? Just give it up. Pro tennis is going to be all no ad within two years. I said, What? I said, because of the gambling, and he sort of backed off. He said, look, it's all changing. Just get on the wagon. I was so mad, and I've been so upset that, folks, how about being a tennis patriot with me? Let's be tennis patriots and take these. Let's say, look, that the patriots took on England. We can take on the USTA and the ITA. They're a bunch of tennis bums. And you know what? They don't care about tennis more than they do their cush jobs and their nice paychecks. And they know they do not care about tennis. And this whole directive with NOAD and abbreviated scoring is coming from somewhere. And it ain't from the, the good book or good people or tennis patriots who really, really care about our sport. Email me at chuckcreasy.com, excuse me, chuckcreasy at chuckcreasy at gmail.com, chuckcreasy at gmail.com. Email me and tell me if you want to be a tennis patriot, and I'll put you down. Folks, we got a battle on our hands, and I wanted to remind you of a couple things. You know, Thomas Jefferson said, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And, folks, tennis is much more to you and it's much more to me than just an after-school activity or something that we can market. Folks, it is, I owe it everything. To see tennis be marketed and cheapened like this, I've often said, would be like seeing your son or my son grow up or someone we love grow up to be a drug dealer or our daughters grow up to be you know, going to prostitution or something. The cheapening of our game is pathetic. It is pathetic. Folks, we need your help. You know, we need to stick, stand up, speak out. And you know what? Folks, remember this United States of America. We have freedom to address issues. 
I didn't call out one person by name, but by gosh, that USTA, that ITA, and these organizations that these people need, we need our tennis patriots. Come on, join up and be a tennis patriot, folks. We need your help. God bless each and every one of you. And I will be back next week, and we will move on and try to make American tennis great again. God bless you. of winning or losing every day of your life has very little to do with the win or loss. And, folks, we're all losers if we don't stand up, speak out, and keep our head up and fight for what is right in our fantastic game. Folks, if we don't stand up now, we're, we're done. We're done. It's done. And, and it will be just one of those stories we have later. God bless each and every one of you. I'm Coach Chuck Creasy, and we'll see you next week. Opinions stated by various contributors to the UR Tennis Network and its programming are not to be considered as endorsed by the UR Tennis Network. Participants are encouraged to use their own discernments and draw their own conclusions. All information, products, and services offered by the UR Tennis Network are for personal use only. The UR Tennis Network does not confirm nor deny the validity or accuracy of information contained within the network. Any products or services provided for should be used solely for entertainment purposes. We emphasize the idea of keeping an open mind and not construing the products, services, or data as factual. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.